words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. So good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing today? Good to see everyone. Uh, can we just pray quickly? Lord, we thank you. We give you all the praise. We give you all the adoration. We thank you for today. We thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for the opportunity to glorify your name. We commit this talk into your throne of grace. Let it empower, let it motivate, let it inspire. But most of all, let it bring glory to your kingdom in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so um, I'm going to be talking a little bit about entrepreneurship. Um, I'm going to be talking about uh, capital, access to capital mainly. Um, show of hands, kind of entrepreneurs in the room. Show of hands, have kind of a vision, dream, but have not yet actualized it. Okay, great. Okay, so I'm going to be talking a little bit about entrepreneurship. Um, for me, mainly, it's going to be about access to capital. Um, how do we plant in the land by making sure that we can scale our businesses, by making sure that we can get access to a capital. Um, so um, we've already kind of spoken a little bit about what we do at Arua. So we invest in businesses. Uh, we've been on the ground for the last seven years, or I've been on the ground for the last seven years, looking to invest in businesses. Uh, and I really identified what I feel is a very untapped segment of the market, which is women. Um, so either investing in women that, you know, women as people, so female-led businesses, businesses that are founded or led by women, businesses that have gender diverse teams, or investing in sectors that cater to women. Uh, because what I found during my research was that there is a huge dislocation in the market in terms of um, access to capital for women. <clears throat> so that's really what we focus on. And in terms of sectors, we focus on healthcare, we focus on fintech, we focus on renewable energy, so access to power, um, and we also focus on essential consumer goods, so fast-moving consumer goods. Uh, we invest mainly in Nigeria. Um, as of today, we've deployed about $13 million into nine investments uh, in Nigeria. Uh, and what we're really looking to do is we want to showcase that you can do well and do good at the same time. So you can make money, you can maximize financial returns for your investors, but you can also have social impact, create jobs, lift people out of poverty. Um, so that's really what we're focused on at Arua. Next slide. Uh, yeah, so investing in women impact businesses. So men, we also invest in male-led businesses if your business is catered to a woman in some way. Um, so we, you know, we want to enable rapid job creation. Uh, we also want to make sure that as we scale these businesses, we're institutionalizing them as well. Um, so, so that's really it. Uh, next slide. So this is a little bit about gender lens investing. Um, so what, what, I, what I've described, what we do at Arua, where we invest in women, for women. There's a segment of 
of investing that is called gender lens investing, where you're intentionally looking to advance women's economic empowerment. Um, so I'll skip to slide seven, if that's okay. Um, and just kind of setting the context in terms of my own entrepreneurship journey. Um, so when I saw these statistics, I was quite discouraged. Um, so Africa has the highest rate of female entrepreneurship in the world. Uh, one in four women start or manage a business. But we only get access to less than 4% of capital. Um, it, it, you know, 1.3 billion people, women make up 50% of the population, but we're contributing less than 40% you know, to GDP. Um, so AFDB tells us that there is a $42 billion funding gap between male and female entrepreneurs. Um, the IFC tells us there's a $320 billion access to credit gap for women. Um, and if we continue this way, it's going to take us about 136 years for us to close the global gender gap, um, which is quite scary, right? Um, and when you think about access to capital for women, so if you go to the next slide, um, so this is statistics as of last year, so 2022. Um, so in Africa, female-led businesses raised only 4% of capital. 4%. So men raised 96%. So that's 25 times more than female-led businesses. So I don't want to scare the, the uh, female entrepreneurs in the room. There's good news coming soon. Um, so, so that gives you kind of the context and the, the environment that we're in where, you know, female entrepreneurs are very, very uh, disenfranchised. Um, but there is hope. Um, there is hope uh, on the horizon because you have funds like Aurora Capital Management. But why do these challenges exist? Um, and I think it's important for us to know this as female entrepreneurs so that we're empowered and we, we have the knowledge. Um, so there's something called unconscious bias, where as you go out to raise capital, you have to be very aware of this, that depending on who is in the room, <clears throat> you may not have the same chances as the next person. So this is a study that was done by Harvard Business Review that showed that the kind of questions that women were being asked versus the type of questions that men were being asked were very, very different. So a male entrepreneur was being described as young and promising. Uh, a female entrepreneur was being described as young but inexperienced. Um, a male entrepreneur was being described as experienced and knowledgeable. Uh, a female entrepreneur described as experienced but worried. Um, so you have to be very, very conscious that because of the environment that we're in, where it's mostly men that are providing the checks, it's mostly men that are making the investment decisions, uh, it's not a level playing field. And this causes some of the statistics that I mentioned where women don't have the same equal opportunities. So if you go to the next slide. So this is also research from London Business School where 
the type of questions that men are being asked, it's promotion questions, the type of questions that women are being asked is prevention questions. So a woman will be asked, how do you intend not to lose customers over the next five years? A man will be asked, how do you intend to grow your business over the next five years? Um, so you have to be very aware of this, that it's not a level playing field, uh, and you have to be equipped uh, so that when you go into these meetings, you're able to put your best foot forward. But how do you do that? So I wanted to just give a little bit about my story and my fundraising journey as well. Um, so where do I begin? Um, so I started out uh, my investment banking career uh, about 14 years ago. Um, so started off at, at Lehman Brothers, then I transitioned to JP Morgan, um, and I was at JP Morgan for just under four years um, in M&A and then in leverage finance. Um, and prior to JP Morgan, I spent some time um, at a fund called TLG Capital that was investing in Africa. Um, and I'm sitting at my desk at JP Morgan, I get headhunted by a European private equity fund that wanted to raise an Africa fund. So I jumped at the opportunity, you know, I'd already been at TLG, I'd gotten an interest in investing back home, um, and I joined this fund, um, and it was my opportunity to come back to Nigeria to help them set up, set up this fund. Uh, and for four and a half years, we were on the road fundraising, um, just not getting anywhere at all. Um, and I thought, this doesn't seem right. What's going on here? Because I see other funds are successfully fundraising. I look at the background of these funds, uh, these fund managers, they have the same CVs, you know, the same banks that we worked at. Um, so what's going on? So I did some more research and I, I saw that there were less than 10 funds in Africa at the time that were owned and run by a woman. And then I looked a little bit deeper and I saw that because of this fact, when you look at the capital that's being raised uh, for female entrepreneurs, at that time it was less than 2% of capital in the whole of Africa that was going to female entrepreneurs. Um, so I said, okay, I felt God kind of lead me at that time to make a very crazy decision. Um, so I was 28 at the time, in the midst of this fund that was not going anywhere. Um, and I felt God lead me to say, buy this business. And I was like, ah, buy this business. We haven't raised any money for four and a half years. What's the but anyway, I emptied my bank accounts took all my JP Morgan bonuses and I bought the business uh, and I rebranded it to Arua Capital Management in July 2019. And the vision was because of the disparities that I had seen in terms of access to capital for women and the lived experience that I went through as a woman that was trying to raise capital for four and a half years and not getting anywhere, it's let us be the change that we want to see. So let us use Arua as a case study of what happens when you invest in women and what we feel is a very attractive opportunity to 
make money because it's such an untapped market with limited competition, but also generate significant social impact because of the significant role that women play in society. So anyway, I, I, be, I buy the business um, and then everything just started to go wrong. So I'm five and a half months pregnant at the time. My whole family is looking at me like I'm some crazy person. <laughs> like, why didn't you just go back to JP Morgan? Why are, you, why are you stressing yourself? But I felt very led at that time by God that this was my purpose. Um, but fast forward two weeks after we launch, my then partner of the business hands me their resignation notice. And I'm like, I'm five months pregnant. How is this going to work? So I just, I went into a very intense <laughs> period of praying at that time, like, God, is this, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? You know, I can just take the easy way out, go back to JP Morgan. But one way or another, in October of that year, I was, a bit, I was able to raise just under two and a half million dollars. Um, and we were able to do our first investment. Uh, and I always tell this story. So I gave birth to my son on the 21st of October, 2019. Uh, and we completed our first investment on the 15th of October, 2019. Um, and I, I can only say that it was God that gave me the grace and the strength to be able to pull that off. But anyway, that happens. And you think, oh, you know, I've arrived, right? <laughs> um, and then COVID hits. And I'm like, ah, God, this is not the plan. I've done this investment. Now is the time to go out to investors to raise more money. But COVID hit, and again, all the plans just went out the window because all the investors we were speaking to, they were no longer interested in Nigeria, no longer interested in Africa. So I'm there again asking God, you know, why did you, why did you call me to this? I could be in a nice, comfy job earning hard currency. <laughs> now I'm in Lagos uh, without a place to live because we moved back uh, just before lockdown. Um, and things were just looking very, very uncertain. But one way or another, before the end of 2020, we had raised another million dollars and we had done more investments. And then come to the end of 2020, I'm like, okay, Let's see if this is what we're supposed to be doing. And then 2021 comes, we get access to more investments from Visa Foundation. I, I would speak at a conference. I would get a random email from someone saying, well, I heard you speak at a conference. Let's get on a call. I would have the call. Two weeks later, a month later, they're investing millions in the fund. So. I think I say that story and give that story just to say that when you are called to something and when you feel that God has let, you know, laid something on your heart that is your purpose, trust him to perfect and to complete it. Um, so today, you know, thank God, Arua, we've managed to raise over $20 million in our fund um, throughout 2021, throughout 2022, we had you know, people that I'd never met 
would send me emails that they wanted to meet with me, wanted to speak to me. So there is something about the favor of God that is needed in entrepreneurship. Um, there is something about the grace that God provides in the difficult times, in the hard times, in the challenging times, in the uncertain times, where you feel that there is no, there is no way to go. Uh, but in those moments when I leaned on God, I went into a you know, season of prayer, went into a season of fasting. I remember I was fasting for six months at one point. My family thought I, my family thought I was crazy. Um, but there is something about leaning on God in entrepreneurship that opens doors that you don't even know exist. Um, so that's why I wanted to just give my story um, and my testimony as well, just to set the context that entrepreneurship is very difficult. Raising capital is very difficult. It's full of setbacks. It's full of disappointments. It's full of delays. But there is a grace that you receive from God when you lean on, it, lean on him that brings favor, that brings an undeserving grace that enables you to push through in these difficult moments and in this very challenging environment. So that, that was a little bit about my story. So the next slide, what does God say about planting in the land? So I was kind of trying to meditate on this yesterday. And these are the two scriptures that came out for me. So the first one is, I will firmly plant them in their own land. They will never again be uprooted from the land I have given them, says the Lord your God. Um, and as I meditated on this, you know, I've lost two people in my team to Canada. <laughs> uh, so as I meditated on this, I think God is calling us to stay in Nigeria. God is calling us to stay in Nigeria. There is something happening in Nigeria that you will miss if you're not attuned to what God is doing here. There is so much opportunity for entrepreneurship in Nigeria. It is difficult, it is challenging, but those that stay in the decades to come will bear the fruit in the mighty name of Jesus. So that's, that was one thing that I got. Um, and I remember one of my mentors always says this, you can be a member in Nigeria, or you can be a number in Canada or the UK. So this is where I believe that God wants us to plant our seeds. And as a result of that, I got the next scripture that says that the Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that he is giving you. So my prayer is that we're able to kind of lock into that as a house, as a church, as the guests that came to this conference, that we should be planting our seeds in Nigeria don't jackpa, please. <laughs> we should be planting our seeds here. There is opportunity for entrepreneurship here, whether it's in manufacturing, whether it's in you know, uh, renewable energy, whether it's in consumer goods, whether it's in fintech, 
whether it's in the creative industries, we should be planting our seeds here in Nigeria. So the next. So I think I wanted to just put down some tips uh, in terms of, for me, how did I progress in my own entrepreneurship journey? How was I able to successfully raise capital? Uh, how was I able to kind of stay the course in what is a very difficult journey? Um, and the first thing that I would encourage entrepreneurs in the room to do is to speak the word. So in the midst of my seven and a half year journey of raising capital, I actually printed out Bible scriptures and put them around my house because you need the word of God as a daily defense mechanism in the midst of rejection and in the midst of disappointment. Um, and there, there are some scriptures that I've put down here that help me, you know, I was, as I would go to into meetings, as I would go into, um, you know, as I would receive that rejection email, there are certain things that I would just repeat to myself that really help to protect my mind because I think that entrepreneurship is actually a battle of the mind. Um, and if you are able to garrison your mind with the word of God, um, I, it really helped me. So these are some of the scriptures. So the first one is Romans 5, 2 to 4. Um, and it says, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. So that is a scripture that really helped me because I would just remind myself that I, I'm in a place of undeserved privilege. And yes, I'm getting this rejection email. Yes, I'm not, you know, this investor has said no, but I'm developing character, I'm developing endurance. So that was the first scripture. The second scripture that helped me was from 1 Peter 5.10 from the Amplified Version that says, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who imparts his blessing and favor, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself complete, confirm, strengthen, and establish you, making you what you ought to be, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. And then the second, the third one, apologies, um, is from Hebrews 10.23, the message uh, uh, version that says, so let's do it full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keeps us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out, not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on. So this also talks to fellowship making sure that we're surrounded by people that are also walking in Christ, that can encourage us in those moments when we feel that 
everything has come to an end. There were many moments like that. Uh, and then the last one is from Habakkuk that says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Uh, that is one that I had very big writing <laughs> on my wall. Um, so I think speaking the word is very important. It helps to change your perspective. It helps to really protect your mind because it's really a battle of the mind uh, where you can develop grit, you can develop persistence, just believing that you, you have a God that is faithful to his promises and that the purpose that he has placed on you, he will perfect and he will complete it. So that's the first thing. So the second thing that helped me as well was prayer and fasting. So I put them together because I don't know if you're like me, but I need to fast to effectively pray. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still uh, growing in the spirit. I'm not here like Pastor Mo. <laughs> but, but fasting really helps me come into a place of prayer. Um, and there were so many moments in my journey where I went into a place of prayer and fasting. And I think that place of prayer and fasting, it gives you ideas. It gives you revelation. It, it helps you to hear from God in a way that maybe you wouldn't hear from God when you weren't fasting. Um, so I think in the times where I was praying and fasting is where I would experience those moments of favor that I mentioned to you, where I would get an email or I'd be directed to speak at this conference and then the, from that conference, someone would reach out to me. Um, so I really encourage praying and fasting. Um, it really helped me develop my own int intimacy with God. Uh, and from that intimacy with God, I was able to get direction from the Holy Spirit on what to do. Um, and then some more kind of practical tips. Um, so the first one is just say yes. So for the people that put their hand up that said they had something on their heart, but they hadn't yet developed it, just say yes. Just start the idea. Just go for it. Um, uh, entrepreneurship is difficult, but it can also be very rewarding. <clears throat> but you have to start. You have to embark on that vision to begin with. And then another thing is never stop mastering your craft. So learning, training, acquiring knowledge, courses, you know, you, you can never stop learning. And I think as you do that, it would help you to successfully start, but also scale um, your, your business. Um, and then networks. I think I really learned about networks during COVID because you know, I was very much, you know, let's focus on international investors. But in COVID, it was, I, was, I was actually able to leverage my networks here in Nigeria to be able to raise capital. There's always that one person that would vouch for you. And them telling someone else, that person telling someone else, it can, very, it can be very powerful in your entrepreneurship journey. So leverage your networks. They are very, very important. Um, and then another one is be visible. So this is something that I would say is probably more difficult for the women, but be visible. Um, be seen as a thought leader. 
leverage social media. You know, my friends always uh, joke and, and take, take the mickey out of me saying that I'm a LinkedIn champion. <laughs> Uh, but leverage social media, be seen as a, as a, as a thought leader in your field. Um, don't be afraid to tell people what you're doing. Don't be afraid to talk about you know, your business. Don't be afraid to talk about the impact you're doing. Celebrate every little win. Um, if you're not visible, how would you be remembered when opportunities come up? Uh, and I think with women, sometimes, you know, we say, well, we haven't even done anything yet. I'll be visible when, I, when I've done something. That's not, that's not the attitude that you should have. Celebrate every little thing. Um, and then another one is <clears throat> know your purpose. Um, and I think it's just making sure that what is driving you is bigger than you. Uh, because entrepreneurship is such a long and hard journey that I, I strongly believe that if I was just thinking about enriching just myself, there are so many things that I could have done over the last seven and a half years. So I think that your purpose, your why, trying to make sure that it impacts more than just yourself encourages you to go in those difficult moments because you're like, okay, this is not just about me. There are a lot of people that will benefit if this is successful. So that purpose-driven attitude, I think also pushes you on in those hard moments. Um, and then know your market and competition, be able to articulate your barrier and your unique selling proposition I think these are things that you know are quite critical when you're when you're um, an entrepreneur. And then the next thing, you know, I always get this question, you know, how do you actually start to raise capital, um, and what do investors look for if I was going to send my pitch deck to them? So this is just you know a summary, but. These are the key things that I would be looking for if I was reviewing a pitch deck. So one, can this person articulate the problem that they're trying to solve? Have they been able to do their research where they can really articulate the problem they're trying to solve? The second, what is the solution to this problem? How is their solution different to other solutions that may be out in the market? Third, how, is, how big is the market for this problem? What is the addressable market of this problem? Is it an attractive market? Is it a scalable market? Is it just more than Nigeria? Can it be global? Can it be scalable? Fourth, how is this person going to make money by addressing this problem? How do they monetize this idea? Fifth, who is this person? Who is the team? What is their track record? What makes them the right person to be solving this problem? Next one, traction. So what, have, what kind of validation have they gotten from the market that, that the solution that they're providing is actually, suited, is actually suitable? Um, so that's also an important one. Um, and then the next one is use of funds. So You've come to an investor that you want to raise $100,000. Do 
What are you going to use that $100,000 for? How is it going to take your business from where it is today to um, the next stage? And then the last one is, how does this business look in the next three to five years? How are you going to grow your revenue? How are you going to grow your profit? Um, what do the numbers look like? Uh, and I think if you can articulate all of these points in your pitch deck, then you should be able to get some interest from investors if your business is credible. Um, and then the next one is, I tried to put some names here. Um, and very happy to share these slides to anyone that's interested. Um, of reach out to investors, do your research. Who are the investors that are investing in my space? Who are the investors that have invested in a similar company to what I'm doing? Reach out to investors over LinkedIn. Uh, I, I can't tell you how many cold emails that I wrote on LinkedIn during my own fundraising journey. But a tip that I would give to everyone is that don't reach out to an investor when you haven't done your research. There's no point reaching out to me saying, oh, Adesua, I'm just about to start my business. I'm raising $50,000. If you've read my website, you will know that we don't invest in those tickets. So always do your research. Read the website of the investor. Say, oh, I saw that you invested in this business. My business does something similar, but this is how we differentiate. Um, so when you reach out to investors, let it be an informed reach out. Uh, and I can tell you, maybe six times out of 10, they will respond. <laughs> When you've shown that you've gone that extra mile and it's not just a copy and paste um, message. Uh, and these are some of the investors. So it depends on where you are in your journey. Are you very, very early stage? Are you kind of mid stage? You know, you've, re you've got revenue, you've proven your business model and you want to scale? Uh, or are you looking for the big, big, big money? So this kind of caters to different sorts of entrepreneurs. Um, so that's really what I wanted to talk about. Um, it's the challenges of entrepreneurship, what I believe are some of the key um, areas and focuses of success. Um, and I think that faith in God, trusting God, leaning on God in these hard moments can really open doors that you really don't know exist. Um, and I think that as we press in, as we pray, as we fast, it's also important to have some of these practical tips as well. Um, so I hope that's been helpful. I hope everyone has been blessed. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this message from The Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.